Life Audio. Hey, my friends, welcome back to How to Study the Bible. I am your host, Nicole Eunice, and I am really glad to be with you today. We are in week seven of our Old Testament highlight reel, and I know you're thinking right now, where is Rachel? What have you done with Rachel? She is the one who leads us through these difficult concepts. Yes, Rachel will be back with us next week. We are in the holiday season, so we've just had a hard time getting our schedules together, but we are really excited to be back together in a couple of days, and we're going to finish out this series together. So you guys will hear from her then, and if I just mess up any of this week or last week, (laughs) she'll correct us. Hey guys, we're here because the Bible has changed so many lives. So just take a second and think about if you didn't have access to a Bible or you weren't even allowed to have one. This is a reality that many around the world are facing, which is why I want to tell you about one of our partners, Crew. Crew has missionaries in almost every country and they are seeing people come to know Jesus. There's just one thing they're missing, a Bible in their own language, and that's where you come in. For only $24 a month, you can provide three people with Bibles each and every month. When you sign up to provide three Bibles with a monthly gift of $24, Crew will also provide meals to 12 hungry individuals through their humanitarian aid ministry. Plus, you'll receive a free copy of my new book, Not What I Signed Up For. Simply text STUDY to 71326 to help today. That's S-T-U-D-Y or visit give.crew.org slash study. Again, that's give.cru.org slash study. Message and data rates may apply and available to U.S. addresses only. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. For you guys to know, I don't know if I've told you the backstory with Rachel, but Rachel was a ministry resident in a program that I was running in a church and She had just come out of her Master's of Divinity from Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary, and she's got a pretty deep knowledge of the languages, and just her theological understandings are strong, even though she is young. So it's always just a delight to have her with us and to bring our perspectives together. So we will be back together again next week, but I'm going to soldier on bravely without her, and I actually really, really love our topic for today. So we're going to get into that in just a moment. Want to share a couple of other things with you. First, if you're just joining us, we just want you to know that we do have a reading guide for you if you want to join us in this series. It is a free download that you can just grab on my website. It's nicoleunis.com slash Old Testament. And there you can just pull down a reading guide that you could, you know, be old school with. If you want to print it out and put it on your refrigerator, 
and check off the box when you've read. That may help you. If you've just been looking for a little bit of help to get into the scripture each day and you want a little bit of guidance because you're not sure where to start, this highlight reel is a great way to do that because we give you a little bit to read each week so that by the end of this nine weeks, even if you're starting now, even if you're just getting started at the beginning of this series, by the end of the series, you will have a pretty strong understanding of the big portions of the Old Testament that are super important for us to understand as believers and as followers of Jesus. Of course, there's so much more than just these nine weeks, but it it really is a great place to start. So that's kind of the purpose of the way that we've set up this series. So you can check that out on my website. One more announcement I'm super excited about is that my new book that's coming out in March, it's called Not What I Signed Up For. And it's a book that follows the life of Joseph from the book of Genesis. We have just released the intro and the first chapter. So the book is now available for pre-release on Amazon. You can order it anywhere that you get books. The way pre-release works, it's sort of a win-win situation, I hope. The win for you is that you get a guaranteed lowest price up until that release date, and you're the first to get the book when it comes out. So if you buy it now or you buy it for someone for Christmas, it will land on their doorstep on release date or as close to release date as Amazon can get, which is sometimes even a couple days in advance. The win for authors all over the world, all over the place, is that when you do a pre-release, Amazon bundles every pre-release together as if it is the number of books sold on the day of release. So all of those books sold in advance count towards the algorithm that helps people find books, that helps people find authors. As you can imagine, it is a wide world out there for authors because there's so many books to choose from and there's tons of great books to choose from. There's a lot of books that are not so great. And so anytime that people recommend books or pass on a book by word of mouth or write a book review, it just helps for the you know engine behind Amazon, behind Barnes & Noble, behind Books A Million, Christian Book, to actually push that book up in reviews so that people who are looking for topics like that are able to find the book. And many of you have probably found a book that same way. So would love for you to be in that group of incredible fans, incredible people in our community who actually take the time to write reviews, pass on books, tell their library to carry a book, write a review on Goodreads. There's all these ways that people find books, right? And most of them involve either telling your friend about it in person or online, and then that's how people find books. So if you want to check out what that book's going to be about, you can go to my website right now, just like you just did, and you'll see a pop-up that invites you to a landing page where you can get that chapter and intro and take a look at that and maybe even order it on pre-release, which would bless my heart, and I would appreciate it so much. So That's the book you'll hear a lot more about, not what I signed up for in the months to come. But for now, let's get into our teaching for today. We are in Psalm chapter one today, and I did something a little different over on the Bible reading. If you listen to that, which dropped yesterday, I also read to you Matthew chapter five. So we're going to connect Psalm chapter one and Matthew chapter five together right now in this series. So If you did listen to Psalm 1, it's actually quite short. It's only six verses. So I think I'm going to read it again for you. I actually have read it out loud a few times today, just in preparation for our time together. And in doing so, different parts stand out. So I want to invite you to just let these words wash over you and think about the framework that we set up when we do a Bible study where we say, okay, what does this say? We want to start with just listening for images or questions or an outline of kind of what we're hearing. And then we're going to talk about a little bit of the backstory when it comes to Psalm 1. So here we go. Take a listen to Psalm chapter 1. 
Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers, but they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither and they prosper in all they do, but not the wicked. They are like worthless chaff scattered by the wind. They will be condemned at the time of judgment. Sinners will have no place among the godly, for the Lord watches over the path of the godly, but the path of the wicked leads to destruction. Okay, let's just take a minute and ask ourselves, what does this say? What are we hearing here as an outline? And of course, there's a couple of things being set up here. This is quite binary in this chapter. We're going to see the path of the righteous and the path of the wicked, and the idea that there really are two different paths. Now, Right away, the idea that there are righteous people and there are wicked people, the idea that there are two different paths, even that will offend our very postmodern sensibilities, our idea that there are many ways to the truth and there are many ways to live a good life. And in some ways that's true, but when we're going to deal with this chapter for its face value, if we're just going to take it on right now, the first thing that we're going to see is that God sets up this idea that there are two ways to live. And that within these two ways to live, there is going to be a different kind of fruit for each way of living. So if we look at, first of all, and and oftentimes when I read a chapter like this, I will go really, really basic. And the first thing I do is I just draw a line down the middle of my page and I'm like, okay, let me just record what happens in these two different things. Whenever there's a contrast like this one that's been set up, and I'm just going to record what I read and what I see as part of this. So the first thing I'm going to see in verse one is there's some sense of like separation, right? There's a little bit of distance between the joys of those who do not go with the wicked, who stand around with sinners, who join in with mockers. There's a different kind of way of living, right? So I know that there's going to be a separation for the way they live. And then I'm going to write over there in my righteous column, those who are righteous meditate on the law of the Lord. I'm going to ask, what is the law of the Lord? I'm asking that question to myself. What does it mean to really delight in the law of the Lord? That word delight is really interesting. It doesn't say they obey the law of the Lord or they read the law of the Lord or they repeat the law of the Lord. It says they delight in it. So that's got a little bit of an emotional connotation. And then we see this fruit, this idea that the righteous are going to live a life that allows for perseverance and sustenance no matter which season, right? And then we've got this idea of they prosper and all they do. So I'm circling the word prosper because I'm like, okay, what does that mean? Obviously, it can't mean just material blessings because that's not the way life works. We know that, right? But then we see that what's going to happen with the wicked? Well, they're not going to be sustained. They're going to blow like the wind. They're going to blow away with the wind that they will be condemned at the time of judgment. And it says that God watches over the path of the righteous, but he doesn't watch over, right? The path of the wicked that leads to destruction. So we've got this picture of the good life. And the picture of the good life has a couple of things to it, right? The picture of the good life means that there is choices to be made about the company we keep. There's choices to be made about the way we spend our time. And there's choices to be made about the fruit, the way we're going to see that life play out over time. And on the other side of things, we have this idea of the wicked. And there's the sense of being mockers, of being people who ignore wisdom of being people who are blown to and from perhaps with the winds of culture of being people whose path actually leads to destruction. Okay. So in a lot of ways, this is sort of taken at at face value. We're like, okay, 
Okay, so there's like kind of the good life and the not good life. And of course, I'm going to ask myself the question, like, which one am I falling into? Which path am I on? And a lot of times a chapter like this, I think, can trip people up because we think to ourselves, like, who's judging who's wicked? Like, am I wicked or am I righteous? Like, which of these things am I, right? And we're asking the question, ooh, are there good people and bad people? And how do I know that I'm spending time with the good people? And in in a lot of ways, yes, this is a binary conversation in Psalms, but this is not like an encyclopedia. This is an instruction manual. This is a picture. A picture is being painted. There's there's art to this. There's a there's a picture that we are engaging in. And anytime you start to ask those questions, you don't want to get flustered by the questions. You just want to say, okay, I've got lots of questions, right? I want to know what prosper means. I want to know what it means to delight in the law of the Lord. I want to know what this path of the righteous means. And most likely when we get into something like this, we're going to dig in. We're going to ask what's the backstory. And when we go to our study notes and we read a little bit closer, we're going to get a lot of information that helps us properly interpret what we're reading. So one of the first things that I like to do, especially at the beginning of a book, so this is the first book in the Psalms, is I will go back usually and read a little bit of the intro to the book. In this case, in my New Living Translation Study Bible, the intro to the book is like five or six pages long of stuff that helps me understand how this book is set up, right? Hey guys, we're here because the Bible has changed so many lives. So just take a second and think about if you didn't have access to a Bible or you weren't even allowed to have one. This is a reality that many around the world are facing, which is why I want to tell you about one of our partners, Crew. Crew has missionaries in almost every country, and they are seeing people come to know Jesus. There's just one thing they're missing, a Bible in their own language, and that's where you come in. For only $24 a month, you can provide three people with Bibles each and every month. When you sign up to provide three Bibles with a monthly gift of $24, Crew will also provide meals to 12 hungry individuals through their humanitarian aid ministry. Plus, you'll receive a free copy of my new book, Not What I Signed Up For. Simply text STUDY to 71326 to help today. That's S-T-U-D-Y or visit give.crew.org slash study. Again, that's give.cru.org slash study. Message and data rates may apply and available to U.S. addresses only. Hi, I'm Rebecca Scott. As a servant of God, wife, and mother of four, I understand the juggle of multiple roles and stages. That's why I created the Encourager podcast to help guide us through the messy middle stage of life. Join me on the Encourager as we challenge the chaos and embrace harmony. Together, we'll create practical systems to balance your roles and fulfill priorities. And we will do it while having joy and energy for both home and work life. Tune in for inspiring stories and interviews, actionable tips, and methods to do both home and work life. Because here, we believe you can do all things, just not all at once. And I happened to do this right before we jumped on together, and I love what it says about Psalm 1 and 2. And look at what this says. This is just me skimming through the intro to the book of Psalms. And it says the editors of the Psalms, the editors of putting all of these chapters together in this book, the editors placed Psalm 1 and 2 as an introduction to the whole book of Psalms. Both Psalms give an idealized portrayal. Psalm 1 is a portrayal of the ideal godly person who lives by God's instruction. Psalm 2 portrays the Messiah, the ideal king of Israel. 
the rest of the Psalter develops and deepens these portrayals, while at the same time expressing how neither the people of God nor their king were able to fulfill God's ideals and bring about the happiness and peace of God's kingdom. So let me say that one more time. The rest of the Psalter develops and deepens these portrayals, while at the same time expressing how neither the people of God nor their king were able to fulfill God's ideals and bring about the happiness and peace of God's kingdom. Therefore, the Psalms then testify to Jesus as the ultimate Messiah. Okay, so that was a lot. That was a, that was that was a mouthful, right? I'm telling you a lot of things right there, but listen to what this is telling us. This is hugely important because if you go to microscope down on one psalm without also zooming out and saying, "Okay, I want to understand the context of what which I'm reading," then you might overinterpret this psalm to be like, "Oh gosh, what I need to do is read the Bible day and night." And if I read the Bible day and night and make sure I don't hang out with any bad people, then that's a good life. Now, that would be a very simplistic interpretation that misses out on a ton of nuance and detail that we are being set up for in this psalm. Okay, so this is really a psalm that's setting us up to read the whole book of Psalms. And what this psalm is saying, if you didn't catch that, I'm just going to reiterate it to you, is that Psalm 1 gives us the picture of a righteous person in an ideal world, in an ideal scenario, as if we could do the righteous thing fully in charge of always choosing the righteous thing. This is what it's going to lead to. And then Psalm 2 is going to tell us what an idealized king, a righteous king looks like, what that righteous king would do. And so here we see at the very beginning of Psalm, how brilliant is this? We see this idea of, hey, we're going to, God is giving us a framework once again of what does it look like to be a person living a good life? And what does it look like to be the ultimate leader of God's people? And in both cases, what happens next in the Psalms is that we see the human mistakes and failure that come out of trying to do both of these things. Does it mean those things are not right? No, of course not. It means these are the idealized good. This is the actual good. Like if we could truly live like this, as it says in Psalm 1, we would experience flourishing. We would have peace in every season. Our leaves would never die. We always would prosper because that's the way that God set up the world. But the reality is that we have sin that enters into our life. We have failure and we have suffering and we have pain and we have struggles that enter into our life. Does that mean that we shouldn't look to an ideal? No, of course we want to look to an ideal, but we want to know that this is setting us up to understand how deeply we need a savior, that the king that was set up, the human king set up, whether that was King David, King Solomon, every king that came after that was set up to rule Israel failed miserably again and again. And we as human beings are set up with an idealized version of the good life, and we fail miserably again and again. And then the Psalms kind of gives us an expression of how do we actually live in a life where we can't fully live into that reality all the way into that ideal, that I don't meditate on the law of God day and night, that I don't stay away from these temptations and paths that often lead to destruction. I, I, as much as I don't want to find myself on them, I find myself on them again and again. And what do I do about that? Does that mean I'm condemned? Absolutely not. We know that it says in Romans chapter 8, there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. But it does give us this opportunity to enter into the tension of the reality that our lives are really far away from what the good life can be, but that God still sets us up with a way to experience the good life. And what's beautiful about Psalm 1, and the reason that I read to you Matthew chapter 5 as well, is that when Jesus enters onto the scene, 
he sets up his earthly ministry. And in a lot of ways, he uses this exact same framework that we see in Psalm 1, where he opens up the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, talking about what it looks like to be blessed, talking about what it looks like to live a righteous life. But he he puts fullness around it. He puts the human experience fully around it. And he begins to talk about what is it going to really feel like when you live out this life. And blessed are you when you're poor in spirit and when you mourn and when people speak against you. And he actually talks about all of these things, all of these expressions of the world and how God can actually use those to bring us closer to him and how God actually uses those even when we're persecuted, even when we have to stand up against the wicked ways of the world, that God calls us to be people of humility and of love and of people who who delight in God's word, who who trust God's word, who depend on God's word to bring us through, to give us, quote unquote, our daily bread each and every day. So what we see here when we think about, okay, what does this mean when we read Psalm 1, if that's kind of our next question? I think what we read here in Psalm 1 is this idea that there is a good way to live and that the way of wisdom will ultimately triumph. But we're going to experience that through Jesus, our Messiah, who is the only one who can completely fulfill the ideal of the godly person. Jesus is the only one who can fully idealize this experience. He's the one who can do it. And so we can look to Jesus as our leader. We can look to Jesus to know and have anticipation that one day the reality of this beautiful picture of being trees planted along a riverbank, being able to bear fruit in each season, being able to prosper in all we do, being able to delight on the law of the Lord, all of this beautiful, peaceful expression of what it can live, look, what it looks like to live the good life, that will be ours through Christ. It can be ours in, in portions of, of life right now, and it will be ours in full completion in eternity. And that is a beautiful thought. And so when I ask the question, that final question that I would ask you as well, when you think about this idea of a beautiful picture of what it live, means to live the good life, you ask that question, well, what does this mean for me? And friends, this might be quite simple, but there's something about reading this again and again and thinking about it again and again, even though I know it to be true, even though I've tried to really live my life in accordance with God's word, I'm again reminded that my dependence on my experience with God, my connection with God, my communion with God, my dependence, I want that to be growing each and every day. I want to need God's word like I need water. I want to need time with God in my day like I need sustenance. I want to never think that I can make it through a day without recognizing and worshiping God for who he is, because I need to be like this tree that needs constant air and constant water in order to be nourished, in order to be strong, in order for the roots to go deep. It requires that constant influx. And God, our God, who loves us, who is with us, who sent Jesus to show us an expression of what it means that God is with us, we have access to that peace, to that power, to that communion, to that presence each and every day. So I know for me today, what I'm taking out of this is I I absolutely must be committed to being a person who delights, doesn't just read it, doesn't just obey it, doesn't just wrestle with it, but actually delights in the beauty and the imagery and the teaching that we find within scripture that I need that every single day. And I hope that you might feel the same today as well. All right, friends, looking forward to seeing you again next week. Talk soon. 
How to Study the Bible with Nicole Eunice is a production of Life Audio and Salem Media. If you like what you heard today, please take a second to rate and review the podcast in your favorite podcast app so that more listeners like you can find the show. For more faith-filled, inspirational podcasts, visit us at lifeaudio.com. There's no better way to start your day than spending time in God's Word and in prayer. Don't know where to start? We have a free daily prayer podcast created to help you do just that. The Your Daily Prayer podcast delivers a thoughtful devotional and timely prayer to you seven days a week. Gain inspiration, faith, and encouragement with daily messages in 10 minutes or less. To start listening now, search Your Daily Prayer on your favorite podcast app or visit lifeaudio.com.